Gertens Caboose, December 2023 Tracker. Dear friends and family, Merry Christmas. Save from a dam and the damned. This was written on November 4th. I cannot leave this year, that is 2023, without writing about my 50th anniversary. No, it's not the 50th anniversary of my marriage, nor of the number of years I've been in the ministry. Rather, October 16, 2023, which was my birthday, was the 50th anniversary of not only being spared from possible death, or at the very least, permanent disability, but the 50th anniversary of my possibly being spared from eternal perdition. I was reminded of this recently via a Facebook post I had written 10 years ago. I will copy and paste it here. Quote, he spared me from a dam and the damned, unquote. Fifty years ago today, October 16th, on my 18th birthday, I was a senior in high school in Missouri. My parents were out of town on business. My best friend, Paul Meese, and I skipped out of school and went to the lake my dad and my uncle owned that we lived on. It had a 35-foot high dam at the end of it. We were on top of the dam throwing trees and branches off of it that were left there from high water. While doing so, one of the tree's branches came up behind me as it was sliding over the dam and it took me with it. I fell 35 feet. If I had died, my plunge would not have ended at the bottom of Lake Killarney's dam but would have continued into Hades. I didn't know Jesus then. I knew a lot about him, going to church every Sunday. Uh, I would have died in my sins while going to church. He spared me. About six months later, he apprehended me for himself and his work in the nearby convent where retired nuns lived while I was on a retreat. He who didn't spare his only son, which was Romans 8.32, chose to spare me twice. Thank you, dear Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank you. It's about time, November 8th. Sorry, it's all late, but I wanted to share this before I forgot. I just read about Genesis 3 from a devotional, and it's crazy how vividly I can still see the time machine skit you did from camp. Really was a great way to understand better, especially as a kid. I think it almost helps me even more now with how bad my focus is. Thank you. That was from Billy, who was a camper for years, and now he's a young adult. A pre-service seizing moment, November 26th. Quote, Brother Gertie, thank you so much. Your ministry with us was kingdom building. And man, way to dive into prayer warrior mode when Eduardo's brother went down. It was a blessing to see how everyone acted so fast and together to help. He made it back to California on Tuesday and is doing well, thank God. Pastor Ed, this text was sent to me by the host pastor of a church in Maryland, which I ministered at for the first time. My connection to the church was via a former Hope All Summer Camps camper who also eventually counseled as well. I had set up my various and numerous object lessons and portable speaker. I was standing in the back of the church with the rest of the church family leadership team. We had formed a circle to pray for the service. Just before Pastor Ed finished his prayer, we all heard one of the metal folding chairs crash to the floor. The man seated on it was having an epileptic seizure. I had never witnessed one in person. A number of children who I assume were this man's own and some of his nieces and nephews began to cry. All of us, of course, were surprised and taken aback. I felt to take a posture of reticence deferring to the pastor's leadership in the matter. I held out my hands before the Lord and began thanking him for his sovereignty and love in the situation. After some time, I noticed the pastor was assisting other people. I walked over to the man and stooped down. His brother, a member of the church who happened to be an FBI agent, was stooped over him. 
a woman, it was either the man's wife or sister-in-law, was on the phone uh, with 911. I could tell they were asking her if the man was still alive. I laid my one hand on his brother's back and my other hand on the leg of this afflicted brother. I kept thanking the Lord. The afflicted man rolled over and looked around and eventually looked at me in the eyes. He was there, but in a sense wasn't there. I smiled at him with tears in my eyes, feeling Jesus' deep compassion for him. I told him Jesus had him. I sensed no demonic presence at all. Eventually, about a half dozen firemen slash paramedics arrived and gathered around him. He was taken out on a stretcher. Of course, his family and his brother's family all left the service with him. Heavy doctrine and little children. I had hoped the very young children would not be in the service given the heavy and serious biblical doctrines I had to convey. However, the children who left via this unforeseen incident were all elementary aged. Regrettably, the very young ones still remained. I entreated the Lord, THE great communicator, to give me his ability to preach these soul-stirring truths from his word in the light of that. He did. Pastor Ed repeatedly thanked me for bringing the Lord's blessing to his people that morning and wants me to come back. The Lord be praised. From high praises to high places. The very next weekend I was at a youth retreat in rural Pennsylvania. I administered at the same retreat the year before. And, again, this group of young people were on fire for God. They worshipped exuberantly, passionately, and unreservedly. After Kim and I had spent much time setting up my two object lesson tables up front, when my host came into the chapel, he said it would be good if we moved the tables off to the side. We were soon to learn why many of the kids came up front to jump up and down before the Lord during worship. Yes, the host did me a great favor. The worship and song time was a prolonged one, and as I expected, it was loud, very loud. I was worried for Kim, whose ears are very sensitive to volume. She hung in there as she was as blessed and excited to be there as I was. Meanwhile, I was in the back of the chapel, both sitting on, then kneeling on one of the chair racks, praying to the Lord to come. As the worship continued, I eventually moved to the back wall and placed my hands on the shoulder of one of the leaders. I pondered to myself and then prayed, Lord, do these young people really need my message tonight about high places and idols in their lives? Look at them. Lord, they're so on fire and zealous for you. They don't need me nor this message tonight. Lord, I'll be happy to go home if that's what you want. I won't regret at all having done all the preparation this week, the travel time here and setup we did tonight. It was all worth it just to be here and witness this, to be a small part of it. Your will be done, Lord. Well, eventually, the retreat host leader went to the mic and closed that part of the service. He gave me an over-the-top introduction, which I didn't deserve, and I began. I covered the life of King Josiah from eight years of age to young adulthood from Second Chronicles chapter 34, verses 1 through 4, and four stages of his life, that is, submitting to authority as a child, seeking God for himself, purging the land of high places, and leading others to do so. I could tell the youth and staff were resonating with the message. I was told by more than one leader, both on site and later that week, that the message was exactly what they needed to hear. Once again, the Lord be praised. I constantly mourn about the age of my body, as inside I feel as if myself am still a teenager, even a child. I feel alive and that I'm doing what I was made for when I'm with the young. Little boys and men's bodies. The very next weekend, I was in New York for a whirlwind ministry tour. In the space of about 48 hours, I ministered five times in three different locations, encompassing over 500 miles of driving. The demographics ranged from kindergartners to senior citizens to men struggling with various addictions. 
Once again, High Places was given in two Sunday morning services to the whole church family, ranging in age from elementary age to senior citizens. I purposely asked the host pastor for the children and youth to be present for this message as, sadly, some of the worst idolaters on the planet are young people. With my utmost gratitude to our Lord, both old and young got the message and responded to it. The very next morning, I drove to Transformation Life Center, that is TLC, about a half an hour away, to minister to a group of men. I have ministered at TLC several times, and each time, in a very precious way, I feel as if I'm standing before a group of children. These men, like me, are really little boys in grown men's bodies. They've been burned by sin, by Satan, and the world. And they know it. That's why they are at TLC. They realize they need help. Why like children, Michael? Well, the burns these men have incurred along life's way have humbled many of them. Not all of them, but many of them. And this humility is childlike. My hat's off to you. After I ministered to them about high places and how to rid oneself from them, the ministry leader leader received an offering from me. This is not usually the case at TLC, as these men are here because they're at the bottom of the barrel of life. I don't expect an offering, and I'm so happy and grateful just to be with them and share God's word with them at my own expense, with joy. So I was a little surprised that this was happening. And to be honest, when this offering was taken, as I was tearing down after the chapel and the men were all gone, I was really looking for a place to hide it. I was going to text the ministry host that I just couldn't receive it, but that I was super grateful for it. I tried a number of hiding places, but couldn't find a suitable spot. I then prayed, Lord, is this you leading me to return this, or is it me? Well, after doing so, I just took it with me. The unique thing about this particular offering is that one of the brothers had nothing to give, so he gave me his Transformation Life Center hat. The ministry leader used the hat as the offering plate, and some of the other brothers placed some dollar bills and coins into it. I believe there were four $1 bills and a $5 bill, some spare change, and a check from TLC. Uh, A pittance? Well, maybe to some, but to me, given who these precious brothers are and given the circumstances they're in, It was a treasure chest filled with gold. Non-readers to racing hormones. The very next morning, my ministry venue was a Christian school about a half an hour from TLC, V's Upton Lake Christian School. And again, I have been to this particular school now several times. This is a precious school to me. It's comparatively small as far as Christian schools go. It is in a relatively secluded spot, very lovely, with a small pond in front of it and woods behind it. From the very first time I ministered at this school years ago, I could tell these precious students from kindergarten to senior high school were well cared for and shepherded. How so? As always, via the quality and caliber of its staff. I arrived at the school the afternoon before to set up my two tables of object lessons. I had just preached to the men's addiction recovery group earlier that morning and also twice the day before to a local church family. I was exhausted, and yet Of all of the groups of people I was to minister to on this whirlwind ministry trip, this particular group was heavy and sweet, given their ages, on my heart. I just lay there on the steps of the altar before the Lord, thinking of the children I would stand before the next day. I had to teach a men's Bible study that evening in just a few hours, but my heart was so focused on the student body. Why? The children in front of me. The kindergartners. Their hearts are virgin territory, relatively speaking. They are blank slates, relatively speaking. They can't read yet. They will be trusting what this man says, standing before them the next morning, to be the truth. Their parents and the church administrative staff and teachers are also trusting this man to do the same. 
Our Lord Jesus gave the most severe warning about those who would stumble such little ones. Their hearts are some of the most sacred ground on earth. Holy ground. Radioactive runts. In a very real sense, children are spiritually radioactive. If you handle them wrongly, you pay the price for it. To add to this very real and present danger, I was going to be addressing the sensitive issue of idolatry in our chapel the next day. Idolatry? Michael? With children and teens? Yes, most definitely yes. These age groups are some of the most vulnerable and susceptible to idolatry. And, very often, they are led to it by their parents. I, too, am guilty of this with our own children when they were with us. And the longer I live and draw closer to the Lord, the more deeply I regret it. Well, the next morning finally came. I poured my heart out. I addressed the issue, origins, entrances, and cure for idolatry in the human heart. Via the examples left for us in Scripture by various individuals, with the godly example of King Josiah, again from Second Chronicles 34, verses 1 through 4. And, at the end, I invited the children and teens to repent of every and any high place in their life that the Holy Spirit might be pointing out to them and to surrender them to the Lord. I leave the results to our jealous Lord. Amen. Michael. Uh, here's my uh, commentary corner quote for, the, for the, uh, this month. Quote, Unless the flesh, the word was made, this same word could not save. And that came to me in the summer of 2023. Thank you for listening. Always appreciate it and I'm humbled by it. I pray this really blessed you. Jesus bless and Merry Christmas.